Glad you guys are here. You guys that happen to be joining us online or watching this at a later date. Uh, We're continuing uh, this class, and I, I think we'll probably do one or two more weeks on this particular subject. Um, um, Before we close this out, we're uh, doing the five cups of discipleship. And all we're really trying to do here is to unpack a very practical way for us to make disciples, to be disciples and make disciples. That's the aim. That's the point. That's the purpose. If you miss the first class, uh, you can get all of the kind of the foundation of, of where this comes from. Um, and uh, what we're trying to accomplish with this. Um, so one of the things that we say here, we want everyone to be in biblical community with each other in a small group, but we're also looking to champion and launch even smaller groups, which right now we're calling micro groups. I don't know, in the days ahead, we could call them like, I don't know, DNA or Adam groups, or I'm trying to think of something, mouse groups. I don't know, mouse group, probably won't call it mouse groups, but... But just something that, and all we're trying to convey is we want to create an environment where three or four max can come together. Uh, hey, Renee, could you could you close those doors for me? Thank you so. Oh, Shane already got it. Thank you, Shane. Um, uh, and so the the aim is just to create an environment where uh, threes and fours can get together to lock arms and just walk with each other, challenge each other, encourage each other. Um, but often the question will come, well, what do we do? In fact, the, this model for discipleship um, answers a couple of those common questions. One being, what am I supposed? What are we supposed to talk about? And what is it? What What does it look like to get into a group and be discipled? And so, what do we talk about when I'm, you know, when I meet with people that I'm discipling, or what do I, what do we do when when guys or gals come together? And so, um, we believe this model helps provide uh, two services for those who want to respond to this call of making disciples. First, number one, it provides a way for us to see and to assess our own journey of growth and discipleship. Um, And I think this is one of the most important things, that understanding our own spiritual journey helps us know what we need to focus on uh, and what are the areas that we need to be growing in. So essentially knowing where we are gives us ideas of what we can focus on with those that we're coming uh, and coming alongside of, those that we're partnering with, meaning the, God, the people that we're discipling, uh, so that no one feels like they're in over their heads, but we're just aware. Um, and so if you find yourself even struggling in your own walk with the Lord, like these areas, and even we unpack the five areas of discipleship, and I'll, re, I'll kind of re-go over those in just a moment. But if you find yourself struggling uh, in your own walk with the Lord, um, then discipleship has this way of activating faith uh, in fresh ways. And so uh, it reminds us that God has something for us, that we aren't uh, just spiritual sponges, but we were meant to have both a pouring in and a pouring out. That's what uh, we even use when we use the term five cups of discipleship, the idea is being filled up in these arenas, but then also being able to pour out uh, into others. Now, I, I think of... 
When I, when I describe this, I think of the very first time I'm, uh, when the Lord began to put in my heart to try to make a difference in someone's life. And I, I'm, I'm going to youth group. I'm in seventh grade. It's the summer of my seventh grade year. Seventh, summer before I go into eighth grade. And my youth pastor, he like sits in, I've been going to youth group for several months. I mean, I'm months into this thing. I've been going and you just mostly go to youth group because you're just trying to be cool. You're trying to find, find a place to be cool or whatever. And you like, you think the girls are cute and you're just trying to figure out your life. And I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm a mess, just like every one of us when we were in junior high. And, uh, and the youth pastor grabs me and he says, hey, I, I, let's go, you and I, let's go to Dairy Queen. I've told this story a couple of times, but we go to Dairy Queen. Let's go to Dairy Queen. Let's sit and talk. So he orders this huge thing of fries put some ketchup on the table and we're sharing fries, which is back before there was a pandemic and you could do this thing. You could share fries. So we're sharing fries and um, he begins to talk to me and he just says, man, I just see the leadership of the Lord on your life. And we have these student-led small groups. They called them huddles. That was a cool name back then. And he said, I, I, I want you to pray about leading one of these, these small groups. And I'm going, are you serious? Like you, you want me to lead? I'm going, I'm not qualified to lead a small group. I'm, this is not, I mean, I'm just here because the cute girls. Like, I'm, they're, they're, I have no, I can't, I have, but here's what's great. The Holy Spirit is highlighting whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to highlight to say. I'm telling you, I would not be sitting here in this moment if the youth pastor didn't sit me down. I don't believe, well, I would trust the sovereignty of the Lord, but I have to tell you, I wouldn't be sitting here without sitting at Dairy Queen over French fries and him saying, I see leadership on your life and calling me up. That was a marker. That was a marked moment in my life where I just began to go like, hey, I might not have my life all together, but I sure do want to be about doing what God wants to do. And I want to be about seeing God's kingdom grow. And I know that God is powerful and life-giving and real, but um, but I want to be able to step into new levels. And so this is what I love about committing or connecting to a model or a way of doing discipleship is just to say, hey, it gives us an opportunity to go, hey, where are we at? Not to say like, what do we not have accomplished? But just to say, this is a way that's going to propel my own personal growth. If you want to grow personally in the Lord, a great way to do it is say, let's disciple someone. Let's just be growing. Let's be committing to grow. And, and so I love the opportunity that this affords us by saying we're gonna get in groups and walk this thing out together. So, uh, so that's what it does. One, it, it first provides us a way to assess our own journey and just see where we're at and go, hey, where are the areas that the Lord wants to grow us and let's do this together. And then second, this model provides specific content for discussion um, it helps us see the journey of those that we're discipling in holistic terms, right? Meaning we're getting to look at people on a broader scope and getting to walk with each other. So it's giving us something to do and it's allowing us to see the people that we're walking with in big, broad terms together. So you may have contexts where, like I know you as the church guy, um, and this can often happen in, in church where like, uh, you guys know the church, Keith, but do you know like the the guy who plays with his kids and the all, 
and all the other arenas, this is an opportunity to actually be known and to know. And so that's what I love about this is we get to see each other in more holistic terms. And this, that's where actual authenticity is. This is where, the, and that's what we're really actually ultimately after. And we're going to talk more about authenticity in this series um, that we're doing time to build, because I believe that's what God wants to build here uh, in this, in this church. And so um, as we become familiar with these categories, we learn to pay attention to the priority needs that are out there while keeping balance, making sure that we're growing in all arenas. Because it's entirely possible that you and I are really growing and strong in a couple of these areas. And then there's some other areas uh, where we find ourselves struggling or lacking or need encouragement or just need a friend to come alongside us. And we get to also be that friend coming alongside of others. So let me review uh, just the, the five cups that we went over last week, which is the character cup. So these are the five cups, character cup. And I'm gonna unpack that today and the faith cup. Faith, so faith cup, so character. So we want to be growing as disciples and making disciples who are growing in character, okay, in faith, in relationships, in finances, and in ministry. These are the five arenas that will allow us just to think on a much broader context with each other. Now, are these the only things that we can talk about when we're in small group together? Absolutely not. But these just give us Places to jump off of to be able to get into each other's lives in very real ways. Character, faith, uh, uh, relationships, finances, and ministry, the ways that God wants to use you. So so what I'll do is just unpack uh, these first two cups, how they can be utilized, questions, ways that we can press in with each other. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll finish up. So I'm gonna pray and just ask for God to give us grace here in this moment. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Father, I thank you uh, that you faithfully weave and move and shape the internal parts of our lives into your image. And we just confess there are so many ways in which we try to fix ourselves on the outside. But Lord, you do your work internally. You do your work on the inside. And I'm just asking, Lord, that you would show us how we can be shaped by you internally. And that from that place of being shaped by you into your image that we can see transformation take place and we can begin to influence people around us. I ask God that you would do that with us in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I wanna unpack the character cup uh, this morning and the faith cup. So character cup, uh, a couple of the uh, kind of the markers of dealing with the character cup in our lives is number one, we're focusing on worth over image. We're focusing on worth over image. That most people become overly concerned with what others think about them. As sure as I say that, I can tell you, I'd be the first to raise my hand and say, I can struggle with that. But our self-awareness 
should focus more on how our presence touches other people's lives. So what we're doing is flipping the script, not to be thinking, um, what does everybody think about me? But as sons and daughters uh, operating in our identity, we get to flip the script and say, how is the Lord changing people as I come into encounter with him and encounter with other people? How am I affecting those that are around me? So I'm thinking less about my image and more about who I am in Christ and the difference that I make in someone else's life. I love the first, I'm just going to read the first five, if you want to look, first five, uh, 10 verses in Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, because these verses are going to reveal Jesus's goal for our character. Uh, and he's going to reveal his own character. And so these are actually marks or traits of who Jesus is. And then he's giving it away to us is what he's calling. So Matthew chapter five, he sees the crowds. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, the disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. These are the bonus verses here. Uh, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For, there, uh, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think it's important for us to recognize that when Jesus says, uh, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, what he's actually speaking of is himself. Because Jesus was the first to know that he was in need of his father. So when Jesus says, blessed is the poor in spirit, he's not talking about everyone else out there. He's saying, I know. And then we get to see all throughout the scripture his dependence upon the Father. In fact, he actually utters and says with his own words, he says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. So Jesus is the one who operates this way and he's giving this away that the mark on the people of God will be that they'll, they'll, they're gonna operate in this uh, place of being poor in spirit, uttering their need for um, their, the Father. Uh, he, he speaks of, those where he's able to enter into a heartache with other people. So blessed are those who mourn. And we get to see Jesus being one who mourns with others. He's quick to offer mercy and bring peace. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. So when he says these, when he's calling all these people, he's preaching this you know, most famous sermon, he's actually inviting people into his character. He's actually inviting people to become like him. And that's what's so powerful about this. And so we want to seek to become men and women 
who rise up in these, these new identities, these new ways of functioning, these new ways of seeing life because they're all about who he is. It's actually a call up. And I, the, I love the way that Paul phrases it in Ephesians chapter four, where he says, we're gonna be men and women who are worthy of the calling to which we've been called. So that's what Ephesians four, I therefore... As Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, oftentimes that verse can be used as a shaming voice to say, you aren't walking in a way that is worthy of your calling, so you need to rise up. But I think what Paul is actually saying is, you've been given incredible worth by the king of the universe. So let's walk in the worth that the Lord has spoken over you. He's given you incredible value. So let's be men and women who receive that value and rise up and do it. That our worth is that reflection of our identity in Christ. And he's saying that identity is gonna have a massive impact in the people around you. Let's walk in this manner worthy of the Lord, of worthy of this calling of it to which you have been called. So I, I love it. So it, just in this one statement is both a statement on identity and it's a statement on purpose and ministry. So that's what we see here. And then if he goes on in verse two, he says, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of Peace. So all these, again, are the character traits of Jesus. So this is what we want to um, begin to, to, to pour into and to get into with each other. So we get to ask the question. These are some core questions. We get to ask of ourselves and we get to do with each other. What effect do we have on others when they're around us? This is a great question to ask. This is a really, really good question to be able to ask. What effect do you have on others when they're in your presence, when they're around you? I love this question. These are, these are some great questions for us to wrestle with and even to begin to think about. And so uh, we get to ask the question, do they receive something of God? And I'm, I'm very challenged. You know, as I'm preparing for this, I'm challenged by these questions. What happens when people are around you and are they receiving something of God? What, a, what great questions for us to begin to ask and to wrestle with and through. So, so that is uh, what it means to focus on worth over image. Secondarily, we want to become one man or one woman. We want to become one person, right? Meaning, are you the same person when you are alone as you are when others are watching? Are you the same person when you're alone as when others are watching? Are you the same person with people that you want to impress as you are with the people who know you well? And this is one of those, again, we get to wrestle with um, because we all, we all know uh, the tendency uh, to try to turn, turn the dial on when we're in public and then we turn the dial off and the Lord's, I think what we see throughout the scripture is getting to grapple with that question of, uh, do we remain the same 
in all the arenas of life. I love, of course, Jesus says, and this is a continuation from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who's in heaven. He's essentially, what he's drilling down to is motivation. Um, It's not that you can't be seen doing good works and ministering and loving and blessing people, but what he's saying here is, what's the motivation? What, What fuels what you do and why you do it? And so beware of practicing righteousness just to be noticed. And so I love that. So that, and that, that admonition ultimately speaks to that root issue that we all have. It can be summed up in one question, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? And I, uh, again, these are great, great, great questions for us to both take on and then to, these are great questions for us to charge and do with each other. And so being one, one man or being one woman is transparent uh, because there's nothing to hide. So what you see is what you get. You're the same with or without people around. This is part of what God wants to do. And so we get to ask these questions. How much of our behavior is not a reflection of who we are, but a reflection of what we want others to see? How much of our behavior is not a reflection of who we are, but a reflection of what we want others to see. And again, really challenging questions to dig in and to dive in and ask, um, because these are actually questions that we get to pose to the Lord before we do them with each other. And so I I think these are powerful questions that we get to bring before the Lord because um, we get to be honest with him. And when we're honest with him, it opens a doorway for us to be honest and real with each other. Uh, a third theme when we're dealing with the character cup is integrity, integrity, which means the, the words that we say and the things that we speak are true, meaning let your yes be yes and your no be no, that integrity is living out that commitment to honesty and transparency in, as we deal with others. And, and this is, of course, an ongoing um, arena for us to be growing in. So we want to be people who keep our commitments. Again, these are all ways that we're honoring Scripture. We're keeping our commitments. We're honoring agreements, being punctual and on time, uh, paying attention to quality, what we're doing. These are all elements of integrity and ways in which the Holy Spirit shapes us. And again, I want to say that these are, as we check into these arenas, there's there are two ways to go about doing this. We're going, hey, these are all the ways I need to get fixed and, all, and then we want to do it in our own ability, in our, in our own way. Or we can go, Lord, hey, the, here are some, I'm, I'm going to bring these things to you and now I'm asking you and contending with you to, to change and shift me. And then, and then we're looking to get into a community where we can be real about that journey with each other. That is ultimately the process and the point and the meaning of discipleship. So this, what, that's what that's about. An additional, um, uh, additional uh, point um, in this character cup is thinking more highly of others. That this would be the mark on the people of God is thinking more highly of others. That one of the biggest challenges of godly character is learning to consider others before ourselves. I love, and the, I love 
Everyone knows the golden rule that we, we, do, we don't treat others um, in any way that we also would not want to be treated. But I love Romans 12, 10 that says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I think it's such a, a powerful way to make that statement, uh, to outdo one another in showing honor and seeking to really uh, bless others, to think of others more highly. And of course, we have the Philippians 2. Scripture says this is what Jesus did, um, that we go with humility to serve. Uh, so rejoicing with others sounds easy until we see someone being blessed in a way that we desire, but we haven't experienced, right? That when we disagree with someone or, uh, or, and then we see them struggle, it's easy to take joy in their difficulty. So we can both uh, struggle if we see someone being blessed in a way that we're not, and it's easy to find places of jealousy. It's also the tendency to look at others who might be struggling in some way uh, and to take joy in their difficulty. These are like, this is real human stuff that we all experience in our flesh. Um, but the Lord says, our job is to mourn or to grieve with those who mourn and to come along his, inside his character and to celebrate with those who are uh, being blessed. And so these are the unique areas or arenas for that character cup. So worth versus image, a character that's transparent, um, honoring others that are in authority, honoring and blessing those that are around you, uh, seeking to outdo one another and showing honor. Uh, issues of controlling the tongue. Uh, issues of security versus insecurity. Um, rejoicing with others and crying with others. And then I love, uh, as we talk through the person, or I'm sorry, as we talk through the character cup, we get to also address um, things like personality, right? And where we get to go, what are the strengths uh, that we bring to the table? And then what are the areas that are weaknesses that with our personality tends to struggle with, right? So this is, a, 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 we get to dig in and dive into questions of uh, our own self-awareness and being, are we aware of the arenas that God's trying to uh, have his way in us and having a measure of emotional intelligence uh, in our lives, uh, the issue of integrity, right? So honesty and keeping time commitments and being timely and then our work ethic. That would be another uh, area that we get to press into is work ethic. So you have all these windows and I'll be happy to uh, put our, we'll post our notes, my notes here. So you can kind of, if you're missing any of this, we'll make sure we get it to you. But these are, these are the arenas that we say, when we, when we mean the character cup, that we wanna be able to check in with each other. Uh, and then secondly, the faith cup. How are we doing on time? Good. Faith cup. We'll finish up with this cup this morning. The faith cup. And so when we say faith, what are the places where we want to be growing and checking in with each other? Number one, our time alone with God. Time alone with God. Um, it's, it can be hard to talk about the discipline of having time alone with God without it becoming or being communicated as a legalistic requirement. So this is, there's, there's a challenge here. And depending on the environment or even the church environment you grew up in, 
um, when we talk about either, it would say the word quiet time or time with the Lord or, um, or some of these other arenas we're going to uh, look into with prayer and, and reading the word, they can come with a lot of, um, did you do your religious duty? And so we don't want to go down that road, but we all know that the truth is that there is no growth in any relationship where there is not meaningful amount of time being invested. This is true. I mean, we get the shadow of this in our earthly relationships that the more investment, the more vulnerability, the more realness, the more content, the more time invested uh, yields greater results in the relationship, greater trust, greater intimacy, greater impact, a, a greater voice with each other. So when, if we're to experience that in the natural, it's because it's a reflection of this relationship that we have with Jesus. And so this is incredibly important that we become people who grow in time. Now, how that time is going to look, that can be wide and varied, right? What that's supposed to look like and how that even, um, the way in which that comes about, that's, that's going to be varied for every person. But what we do see throughout the scripture is Jesus himself doing this thing, right? So uh, Mark chapter one, verse 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Luke chapter five, 16, he would withdraw to quiet or desolate places and pray. So we just have this rhythm of Jesus making sure that he had time with the Father to receive from him, to be filled up. Often these times come after lots of ministry. So you're just pouring yourself out, uh, and Jesus was pouring himself out, and then he would go and pull away. And there's this picture of being filled, of him being filled. And so, listen, everybody's busy. That's the nature of the world in which we live in. Um, but there's no, there's no way around the fact that each of us get to choose the realities that will dominate our lives. Um, and we can act like we're kind of victims to like, oh, we got the kids and we got all this stuff. That's all true, all right? We have kids or we have schedules or we have businesses that we're trying to run or we have employees or employers and we have all of these things and, and even, if you will, hobbies and there's stuff that can have a real impact on our time. And none of that's wrong or bad. But if we really, truly want to grow in our faith, then there is a measure of time investment with the Lord. There's a measure of investment of that time. And that can, again, it can look in many different ways. It doesn't have to be in the morning over an hour. Or the, you know, again, that's where I think we get into, into the legalistic stuff. Um, it's more just that authentic interaction with a, the one true living God. And I think that's what we want to be pressing more toward. Uh, so as we talk about that, what, do we, what, are the, what are the core things that we see from the scripture? Certainly, number one, prayer. So when we talk to God, right, we're opening up that supernatural doorway for personal transformation, right? Praying and listening to God allows the Holy Spirit to input revelation and strength and wisdom into our minds and spirits. Um, prayer is also that means of 
asking God to move on our behalf. Um, it's our tool. We see all throughout the scripture where Jesus is imploring people to pray because it moves heaven. It just does. And uh, how and why God created prayer, um, well, I think there are more mysteries to, to be understood about it. But I, I, one of the things that we've often said here is that prayer changes us more than it does anything else. It gets us aligned up with who God is and what he's doing. And so we want to grow in prayer. It's this tool through faith where God shifts things. He shifts things in us. He shifts things in the heavenlies. He shifts things uh, in in the circumstances that we're in. Uh, He pulls down sin. He uh, raises up righteousness. These are the things that are accomplished. We get to see all throughout the scripture. Uh, with prayer. Number two, being in the word or being in the scriptures. Um, Our most direct means of revelation is through learning to read and glean from the word of God. And that doing that is not necessarily always super intuitive. So um, we get to learn how to read and to discern God's intent and, uh, and what he wants to accomplish. So I think that's one of the, the, maybe the challenges of the word of God is that you can, we can find ourselves um, going like, what am I supposed to do with this? And in fact, this past year, I spent time reading just the Pentateuch. So the first, my 2020 reading plan was just go through the first five books of the Bible. And I'm telling you, I mean, I'm, not, I'm all up in Deuteronomy and Leviticus going, hey man, all right, I'm trying to get my head around this and trying to understand. And so you can either go, I'm just gonna plow through this or go, all right, Lord, what, what is it that you wanna say here? What's happening here? What are you saying about yourself? And these are the great, I mean, these are great questions to ultimately ask. Lord, what does this say about you? And what does this say about me? And so that's what the point and the purpose is. Meaning there are, we, we even read the different parts of scripture differently. They're, they have different purposes. And so there's a, a means of learning, but we wanna be, linking arms with each other and challenging to grow in these things so that even if you've read and you feel confused or discouraged when you've tried to read the Bible in the past, uh, we get to grow to points in which uh, a deeper life in God is cultivated. And we there is life-changing revelation that comes from the word of God. So uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, next uh, little uh, area that uh, comes up under this thing of growing our faith is learning to trust unto obedience. And so I just want to say, listen, uh, there, there are so many things God wants and has called our lives to conform to his. And the word described is obedience, where he says, this is right and true. And then our responsibilities to come up under it. Now, here's the problem. Is that often obedience is the thing that we do to try to show God that we're serious or to say, I, I truly love you. And I, I believe the account from scripture is that as we come up under the revelation 
of who God is and what he's done for us. That obedience comes out of the overflow of being loved by a father. And so that might be nuanced, but I'm telling you that those are game changers. Um, And I believe uh, even as we do this journey of discipleship with each other and looking for these opportunities, I want to grow in obedience, but I don't want to do it out of like gritting my teeth with religious duty to make sure that I've done it. And there are multiple arenas in which we're going to be called to obedience in ways that we don't necessarily feel like doing it, or it might be in an area where like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. But that all of that motivation comes from ultimately the revelation of the Father's heart for us. And I believe that's going to be incredibly important as a kind of a marker as we walk with each other, we link arms, is that there is this linking of faith and, if you will, works or obedience. That knowledge and knowing lots of things without action is in part a lack of faith. And so uh, we get to ask these questions, what are the decisions that we're making? And do they reflect faith and trust or do they reflect fear? We're all making tons of decisions every day. Every one of us. I think there's some statistics. I mean, it's in the thousands of all the decisions we make each and every day. And so are they reflecting a a reality of being blood-bought sons and daughters by faith? Are they reflecting fear? And these are the questions that we get to to dig and dive into with each other. So are you acting as if you trust God or are you acting as if you don't trust him? Great questions. Uh, I love James chapter two, um, or, you know, James, the the book of James in general, because uh, it takes the power of the narrative of the gospel, um, but it says there's, there's some stuff for us to step into. And uh, there have been even church, you know, out throughout church history, there have been some fathers who like felt, who, you know, church fathers who felt like, you know, can we really receive this book? Because it's not, because um, it's really calling people into action. I love James 2.17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now that's a strong statement. But I think what James is trying to point to is, hey, um, when you and when you have true and real faith rising up in, in you, it's going to to press us toward obedience. It's going to say, hey, let's let's step into this. Let's say yes to the Lord. Uh, and so I love that um, uh, verse eighteen. But somehow someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. But he says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Essentially, he's just saying that faith has its way of working itself out in real practical ways. And we just want to be growing in that together. So uh, the, we'll finish with this. What time is it? Good. Great. Time to wrap up anyway. These arenas for the faith cup, time with God, prayer, reading scripture, journaling, or writing some things down, maybe if it's not daily or you know, you know, paragraph after paragraph at a time, but writing some things down. Staying with it. In fact, that's something I, I did in college a bunch. I hadn't done it in a long time and I just recently picked back up, just trying to write some things down because I'm asking the Lord to change some things in me and do some work. And I want to just see the dialogue as we go. So it's just something I've even picked back up. 
Learning to listen to God's voice, so, so, so important. Growing in our belief, growing in our trust, uh, growing in an understanding of obedience versus disobedience, or if you will, um, uh, obedience versus passivity or rebellion, right? So there's different ways of disobeying and some of it's just being passive and then some of it is just all in out, I don't want to obey or I don't want to follow you in this. And then, and then what the scripture calls walking by the spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. So as we talk about linking arms with each other and growing in our faith, um, we, um, we want to be men and women who are being led by the Holy Spirit of God more and more. So I want that for my life. I want that for us as a church family and look forward to forging these paths together as a people. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll close out. And then if you've got any questions or anything, I'll, I'll remain here. So Father, thank you. You have many things to give. And there's not one ounce that we wanna do in our own flesh. We want this to be led by your Holy Spirit. We wanna be a people who make an impact everywhere we go. And Lord, every one of us could be honest with you about ways where we feel like we've fallen short in any of these arenas. And yet, your faithfulness leads us. Your faithfulness guides us. It's your goodness that calls us forward. You call us up to respond to you. You call us up to reflect your goodness, to live a manner that is worthy of the calling, meaning you've made us and given us worth and value to be given away to others. And I pray that you would show us how to do that more and more as a church family. And so we bless you and we thank you. We honor you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.